Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. This is Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, bringing you another informative episode of Monday Madness. Today is Monday, August 23rd, 2021. Things got a little cooler this weekend, and summer is winding down. Many of you may be returning to college this week, or high school, depending on the age of our audience. So good luck to you on this new semester. I bet things are a little strange with COVID still, so hopefully the transition isn't too jarring and you still have a great semester. I'd like to extend a special shout out to our student associate, Niels, who is back from an internship in California to continue the grind at Mines. But I know most of you didn't come here to listen to me talk about back to school mumbo jumbo. You came to hear all about the biggest events in the world of energy, and we are here to deliver. First things first, WTI pricing. The last week left a little bit to be desired as the price fell from $67 all the way to $62. It seems we are essentially trading sideways around $65 as we continue to bounce around. The good news is that the price is already up more than 5% this morning as it is $65.65 at the time of writing this episode. We will get into the factors putting upward pressure on that price a little bit later in the episode, but it all lies in the realm of geopolitics as we drill less and less American wells, complete more ducks, and import energy from other countries. I mean, be happy with this large morning jump, and fingers crossed it lasts through the end of the day, or even better, continues to climb through the week. Next, of course, is the rig count. Last week was phenomenal with a 9-rig increase, bringing us to a total of 500 rigs, Seems like there isn't a ton of resistance this week, as we saw another three rigs go up, leaving us with 503, or 249 more rigs than we had this time last year. Crazy to see a doubling of rigs in such a short time frame. If you look at the major basins, it sure doesn't look like anything good happened, as the Canna Woodford, Eagleford, Haynesville, and Marcellus each lost a rig. The good thing is that we can fall back on the Permian and Utica, as they put up two and one rigs respectively. State by state, Louisiana saw the greatest increase of two, despite that loss in the Haynesville, while New Mexico, North Dakota, Ohio, and Utah saw a single rig increase. Texas and West Virginia as a whole witnessed a one-rig loss. Strange to see all the emphasis in possibly non-major basins. Perhaps people are exploring some new exciting plays? Regardless, eight new rigs will be targeting oil, while five fewer are targeting gas. The most surprising statistic is the type of wells being drilled. The directional total increased by 3 for a total of 20, vertical up 2 for a total of 19, and horizontal down 2 for a total of 456. Big percentage changes for those little categories. The last statistic to ponder is the nation's inventories. Last week we had some fun with the aviation gin cocktail as we broke it all down on the Thirsty Thursday inventory report. If you want the recipe, you can find it on our website at rarepetro.com, but if you just want the data, I'll run through it real quick. It seems the EIA has been reporting a sort of seesaw pattern between draws and builds. This week, they had a slice of humble pie before making a prediction of a 1 million barrel drawdown. But expectations were blown away with a 3 and a quarter million barrel drawdown. The API expected a similar one of about 1 and a quarter million, but it turns out they were too cocky and actually reported a little less than that at a draw of 1.15 million. Even though the API may have been a little too excited, it is nice to see a reported drawdown by both agencies. It's been a few weeks since our regularly scheduled program of big drawdowns, but hopefully things get back to that soon, especially if the Biden administration truly believes we should be importing more oil from the Middle East and Russia rather than produce it at home. As a matter of fact, the United States is importing record amounts of oil from Russia in 2021, leaving them as the second largest foreign supplier of foreign fuel. Canada remains in first place for now. 
Last week brought great news as we witnessed a big old drawdown to put gasoline inventories at levels it hasn't seen in the past five years. It seems that it made a small attempt to correct itself as we witnessed a 700,000 barrel build, but that is still an unusual low. As far as factors influencing price, we are somehow still dealing with a shortage of truck drivers that is leaving some gas stations undersupplied. While the U.S. continues to sit here and suffer, countries like India have continued to expand the population of natural gas-powered vehicles and supporting CNG infrastructure. Think we will ever see that in the U.S.? Share your opinion with us at podcast at rarepetro.com and we just might feature your insight on the show. Distillates continue to do nothing cool, while propane continues to be as close as possible without actually setting record lows, and what else would you have expected at this point? Overall, great stuff. Big increase in price, a climbing rig count, and modest draws on petrochemical and crude inventories besides gasoline. Let's close out August strong with even better numbers next week. But that is all we've got as far as statistics, and it is time we get into our news stories. First up, another fire in the Gulf of Mexico broke out yesterday afternoon. Go ahead and guess who was responsible. Now, if you guessed Pemex, you would be absolutely correct. The last time they set the ocean on fire, we took a little time out of this podcast to look over their absolutely abysmal history of incidents. Lots of simple accidents that could have been prevented that, unfortunately, claimed too many lives. This one is no different as one person was declared dead, six total workers were injured, and five people are still missing. While they are the largest company in Mexico that does produce 2.5 million barrels a day, these accidents are too frequent and I would wager a result of inattentiveness. This is a state-operated oil company after all. While it is unfortunate that this happened, it doesn't need to keep happening. Mexico is doing its best to drive any other private operators out of the state, so it's likely that this is not the last incident we will see from this behemoth of a state-owned company. In other news, we've got a battle of stakeholders. While most of the time this would allude to legal battles between extraction and Boulder or Cabot and surrounding Pennsylvania citizens, this one's a little bit different. The EPA is expected to draft a biofuel quota for gasoline and diesel fuels in 2022, but everyone has something to say about the situation. While some lawmakers have been told to brace for little to no change, it is even possible there will be a reduction in the amount of renewable fuel that must be blended, which is upsetting to many people lobbying for corn. Usually, the corn lobby and oil refiners are the ones to butt heads on these issues, but now a new association is stepping into the fray. With grain prices rising to levels similar to what they were in 2008, many are aware that rising commodity prices lead to inflation in most consumer goods. This is why the American Bakers Association lobbied the Biden administration to stop the rising mandates of fuel blending last month. I know that sounds like maybe a silly association, but they have been in talks with the EPA since the end of July. Regardless of how strange an organization like the American Bakers Association sounds, I do side with them on this situation. Production of biofuels is an archaic and energy-negative policy that creates an artificial demand for grains that could be used in any other way, say, eaten by countries that are willing to pay for them. I feel bad as a young man from Iowa who grew up on a farm, but it's just not worth it. The farmers will be okay if we don't blend corn ethanol into gas because, as the bakers mentioned, commodities prices are up big. This time last year, corn was selling at just under $3.50, which was about average, a little bit low. Today, it is at $5.36 and peaked at almost $7.75 just a few months ago. Corn normally trades between $3.50 and $4. Last time we saw prices this high was during the Great Recession in 2008 and similarly tough times between 2011 to 2013. 
Let's reduce the amount of biofuel blending or keep it at what it was to not only stabilize those grain prices and keep them from rocketing, but also to stabilize the price of gasoline in the process. Not only that, but it would help refiners generate some much needed profit that they need to operate. After all, more expensive components means more expensive gasoline and inventories are already at a five year low. Hopefully my family in Iowa isn't listening to this podcast as they would likely crucify me for these statements. But ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of this podcast. I know, I know, the time goes fast, but you can find dozens of hours of backlog content on the website. If you don't find what you're looking for, we ask that you send us an email at podcast at rarepetro.com to request the content. After all, we're making this for you, and we absolutely love receiving criticism or praise. Be sure to hydraulically fracture that follow button so you never miss an episode from us, and do the same on LinkedIn. We're always generating enriching content that will give you the educational and competitive edge that you need to stay ahead. Thanks for tuning in, and until we see you next time, take care, everybody.